Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe, a place to learn about how to navigate the healthcare system and understand health in plain language. I'm your host, Nikita Boston-Fisher, a health educator with a passion for meeting people where they are. Today's guest is Mr. Alexander Chad. Alexander is a community pharmacist, a clinical instructor, and a diabetes specialist. He came to the cafe to share the many ways that pharmacists can help us, how to manage our medications, and what to do if we want to stop a medication, and so much more. Grab your warm drink and tune in for a great episode. Hi, Alexandre. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe. Thank you so very much for coming. Before we get started, could you please introduce yourself? My name is Alexander Chaddy, so I'm a community pharmacist. I work in medium to big pharmacy in Montreal in the neighborhood of Park Extension. I'm really lucky to work with a fantastic team. We work in a very multicultural setting with uh, people that have very diversified health problems. So it's very, very interesting for me. We get to talk about so many things and really help people with their medication. Can you tell us what does a pharmacist do? I know it might feel like an obvious question, but I'm sure there's some things you do that not everyone realizes. Well, that's a good question because a lot of people don't really know what we do. We have a white coat, we're behind our little lab, and often a lot of people ask themselves, what's happening behind in this environment? So what we do for sure, the most common role that we take, we prepare medication. So often we have a lot of technicians that help us with the preparation, getting the labels, renewing everything in a very organized system, because let's face it, there's a lot of tablets that exist and all the people that need to come and get their, their medications. But I'd like to, to emphasize that what we spend most of our time doing is really giving advice to people, making sure that it's the right prescription for the right person, for the right diagnoses, and making sure that there's no interactions, that we can take this with all the other medications inside uh, the file. But as well with everything else that's outside, uh, over-the-counter medications, for example, or natural health products, we spend a lot of our time also explaining how to take the medications well and reassessing making sure that everything is well followed through, that the plan uh, goes well, that there's no side effects. And if ever there are, we spend a lot of time troubleshooting. So making sure that the, the therapy is well taken. And if the therapy, the treatment is not right for you, well, we make some changes. And there's a lot of things that we can do as well on the side to adjust, to tailor the treatment to really what's best for the person. Thank you for explaining that, because I think Definitely. Well, I don't see all of that. So I'm sure a lot of people don't. You come to the counter, you, well, I, I pre-order my medication on the applets. I'm here to pick it up. And then there's very little interaction. So it's nice to know all that happens back there. What got you interested in pharmacy? Good question. I initially started in business. I didn't really know what I wanted to do starting university. And I liked the, the aspect of uh, business. But I was missing uh, what science can bring and the medication and health itself. And yeah, I got, I jumped into pharmacy, didn't really know what it was. And it took me a bit less than six months to realize that I was really in my field, that I really liked it. Uh, I think what I like the most is the uh, human aspect of it. So we get to talk to people, we get to deal with real problems, not something that's in the clouds, that's abstract. And sometimes helping an elderly person with their bowel movements. <laughs> it makes a huge difference in their quality of life. And it's something that can seem really, really small. So doing these little things, making and building these relationships with people on the long term, 
we really become, and I, I like the expression, they're family pharmacists. We really become part of their health team and they come and see us. They call us when they have problems, when they're not feeling good, when they are feeling good also <laughs> to say sometimes thank you or just to say hi when they're passing by. So we really get to know people and we get to know their family. We get to know everything that's going on. And as people age, we lose uh, a bit of autonomy with time. So we get to know the family, the natural helpers, the, the children often of these people. So we really integrate the whole network of outfits in our community. And we're really, uh, we're present, we're there. We can really help as best as we can. Oh, I love that focus on the human element. What do you recommend if someone wants to build a relationship with their pharmacist? How do you recommend going about that? That's a good question because it's not easy. And uh, I have a lot of my friends that are closer to my age that sometimes tell me, well, I agree with all these things, but I don't know my pharmacist that well. And for sure, uh, the clientele, the people that spend most time in pharmacies are people that are older. With aging, we often have more health problems. So we get to know more our pharmacists because we have more problems. We have more questions. We have more effects. We have, we take more meds. So this naturally brings in more conversation, but we all have questions and it's not a question of age. We all have these low minor problems that can happen. And sometimes our reflexes are to go see our doctor or to go on the internet or to go ask our friends. And I'd say, give and try, <laughs> ask your pharmacist. And sometimes you talk to one person in the team and you can be like, I don't know. I don't know if it clicked so much. The advice was good or it helped me. And sometimes you, you end up having really a, a connection with someone. So. If you do, please get to know that person, know their schedule, go and see them whenever you can. Ask. You can always request to speak to a specific person and you can build a relationship throughout like that. And I find that one clientele that we, we get to know very well are young parents. Yeah. When you have young kids, you have a lot of problems and a lot of questions, especially when it's your first one. You, have, you can have a lot of infections. And often we get to know these people, they get to know our role that they didn't know before. So that's a great way to really know the, the full scope of what we can do and later on being more of a reference for these people. I often tell people, don't shop for your pharmacy price or convenience. Shop your, your pharmacy through criteria, through personal criteria. So people, so the, the human aspect of people that are within, if you have a connection, if you find they're free, if they want to talk to you, they're, they're, they're giving you the attention that you need. Well, I'd say go with this pharmacy and uh, go get your medication if you do take medication on a regular basis over there so you can get to know them more. But don't limit yourself uh, due to prices or discounts that this, this pharmacy chain may have. Really build a relationship just like you would do with your doctor or your other health profession. I love that. Thank you, Alexander. Are there questions you wish patients would ask that they don't often ask? That's a good one. That's a good one indeed. Uh, because uh, for sure we get asked a lot of questions that are sometimes more similar and that's part of our job to answer it to the best of, uh, of our knowledge but also to, to pay attention to listen because questions are always different. No one has the same situation and we really do have to address them. But one thing that I find challenging is often to know the full scope of what people take. Uh, do you take any over-the-counter medication? Do you take some natural health? products. And sometimes we don't consider these medications as medications. So we consider these as others. And but they do, they can interact. And sometimes they may cause some side effects. I can give you some examples. I had a patient the other day 
was having some heartburns and they came to see us because they had a lot of pain and they had a tough time and we were investigating, trying to see if there was any change, uh, understanding what they've tried, what they didn't try. And that person had tried really everything. And we noticed that this person was taking a lot of mint tea and mint tea can cause some reflux, can be tougher on the stomach. Uh, so we identified something that was really not linked to medication that we wouldn't have thought about, but that could have been the cause to their problem. And the solution was not to try every single pill, every single tablet in the pharmacy, but just to change a little habit. So following on that, knowing also on uh, the habits, do what kind of diet you have, are you a vegetarian? These are all things that we sometimes don't think about asking our pharmacists, but that can matter in all the advice that we'll be giving. I'll, I'll say something that might seem really dumb, but if you uh, take some grapefruits, uh, grapefruits interact with a lot of medication. We don't think about that. And taking one grapefruit here and there doesn't really matter. In moderation, it should be fine. But if you decide to buy a full pack of grapefruit and eat that for a full week for some medication, like cholesterol medications, for example, it can really cause some side effects and it can be a problem. So telling the pharmacist these things can really help. Sometimes we take some medications here and there. Sometimes we have resistance. We're not sure if it's really yeah, something that we want to take. So uh, sometimes you miss uh, some doses. Uh, so really um, being able to ask us how to take our medication if we forget for a few hours, for a whole day. So we have some good tips that we can give on, on really uh, all of this as well. And um, if you're stopping a medication or if you want to stop a medication, come and ask us because some medications, we don't want to stop them cold turkey. If we do, we might feel worse the next day and for a few days afterwards. And another thing that I might say, if you read some things on the internet, if you're not searched, uh, come and talk to us because uh, Dr. Google can tell us a lot of good things. But sometimes uh, the first thing on the list is that we have cancer for a lot of different symptoms. <laughs> and uh, it can be very scary. And uh, there's a lot of uh, misconceptions on really on the internet. And by talking to pharmacists, that can sometimes make a better balance of where the pro the cons for the treatment, we end up having a better decision and a better shared decision, I'd like to say, because the decision doesn't come to our health professionals in our health. I like to think about the person that's taking the medication, the person that has a symptom is just as, as important, if not more important than the health professional to be a good historian, to really tell us everything that's happening, but as well to tell us what they're feeling, what their thoughts are, what are their fears on some treatments that we can address and find the best treatment. These are all amazing examples. I'm loving them. Thank you, because you're making it so much clearer. When you talk to a patient, is it always at the counter or is there a room that they can go to so it doesn't feel like they're announcing their issues to everyone in the waiting area? How do those consultations work? A bit of both. So we do commonly, we, we don't associate the pharmacy with uh, an office, a bit like a, a doctor's office. We see, we get our medication, we go pay for the medication, we go over the matter counter often. And uh, it may seem sometimes that the pharmacy is not very private, <laughs> that we're going to talk about our issues in yeah. front of everyone. And that can sometimes make it embarrassing. And we sometimes don't want to or ask these questions that sometimes matter a lot. So we do, for convenience, have a lot of our consultation at the counter. And for a lot of problems, the, the explanation of the medication is very quick. It doesn't take a long time. But sometimes when we do have problems that are more delicate, when we're not exactly sure how to word it, on the pharmacist side, when we have a lot of questions to ask, for example, when we're talking about the treatments for addiction, 
something that's really delicate. If we're, if we're starting a treatment on that, I wouldn't want to talk about that in front of everyone. If we're talking about the STDs also, no one wants to talk about that in front of everyone. We have in every single pharmacy in Quebec and in actually, I think in all of Canada, we have a confidentiality room, a confidentiality room. That's a little room that sometimes you don't see. There's a little door on the side. It could be the nursing office as well. But we always have this room where we can have a private conversation. We can go speak, sit down. It makes it less formal. We still have all of our information, our files, and we can still, still give uh, the, the same advice. And if we need to go see the products in the alley, well, we can go leave the room and go over there. But it allows us for, for, really, for both parties to really ask all of their questions and to, to do it comfortable. And the, the advice I'd like to say is, uh, well, I'd like to give two advice. A first advice to pharmacists and to other, to all health professionals to use this office as, as often as we can, because we tend to underutilize uh, this office and there's a lot of benefits of sitting down and being in a, a confidentiality uh, room. But also to, to everyone that consults in a pharmacy, ask uh, if there's a more private area, ask to go in a consultation room. And sometimes as pharmacists, we can feel like we're, we're in the, the middle of the operations. We like to keep our eyes on what's happening. And it's a reflex to stay a bit more in the action. But whenever someone asks me to go in the office, the answer is always yes. The answer is always yes. And I'm, I'm lucky to work in a team. We're always two or three pharmacists at the same time. So if I end up spending 15, 20 minutes in the office because we're talking about something important, because we're talking about something that really matters, well, so be it. That's my role. That's what I want to do. I want to help people in that way. You mentioned as well that if a patient wants to stop a medication, and that's something they can talk about with a pharmacist. What does that look like? I didn't even know that was an option. We often think that a prescription is a formal order that we have to take something. And if we don't, sometimes we feel the blame. We feel like we're a bad patient. We feel like we can't give all the information to our doctor because we haven't followed their advice. But the situations change all the time. Sometimes we have a side effect. Sometimes we're not really sure if we're getting the benefits from a medication. Sometimes we started the treatment, but we're not really sure why we're starting the treatment. And sometimes the prospect of taking a medication for the long term it's something that we're not ready. We're not sure of the benefits. And I mentioned it a bit before, but I really like the concept of shared decision in health. And it's something that we're moving more and more. Shared decision takes time. It takes time because we have to explain all of the pros, all of the cons, and we need to reflect. And sometimes we're not able to make a decision right away. And it's okay not to make a decision. It's okay to have a conclusion through our conversation that is, well, let's think about it. I, I'm not ready to do something right now. And what we notice is that when we have shared decision, where we really spend the time to really talk about the medication, to really explain the risks, the benefits, people that choose to take a medication, they take it for the right reason and they're more observant. So they forget less, less and they, they, they take it on a more regular basis. Do they take more medication? No, on average, people take a bit less medication. Is that a bad thing? Well, if we look at a population, the medications, they have benefits, but they do have side effects as well. So are people happier? I, I prefer this question. And I, I'm first saying that, yes, I think people are taking medications more consciously and uh, for good uh, reasons. And well, what comes with starting a medication uh, is the same thought process as stopping a medication. There are many reasons to stop a medication, to de-prescribe, as you're mentioning. So deprescription is the act of well, stopping a medication or reducing a medication because 
the medication is no longer required because the medication has more risks than benefits or for all other reasons that we would like to uh, reduce and stop the medication. And we often think about deprescribing as the action of going from taking a pill a day to taking no pills every day. But it's something a lot more complex than that. Because deprescriptions, for some medications, we don't want to stop them right away. You want to spend one week or two weeks slowly titrating, decreasing the medication because it's the right way to really wean off our body from the medication. Some other medications we can stop right away. And there's really no problem in stopping them today. And there won't be any repercussion. I'm thinking, I, I was talking a bit before about stomach medication. There's a lot of things that we don't know. Some stomach medication we take, but a lot of our studies for some minor problems like reflux, we often have treatments that are studied for four to eight weeks. We take them for longer than that. Often the benefits are, are lesser and we need to uh, investigate. And a lot of my patients are stuck on these medications for a long time uh, because things are not working. We have to escalate. We have to look further and find other causes. But taking a shorter time and reassessing is often a good thing to do. And uh, so asking the question to your pharmacist, is there something that I can reduce? Is there something I can change in my treatments? I get the question a lot for medications for mental health, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications. Often we take these medications for an initial duration of 9 to 12 months to start to really help our bodies. These medications are our help. They're not the solution to everything. Psychotherapy is great and it's a great way to find tricks, tips on how to avoid these situations and better face these obstacles in our day-to-day life that can be causing the situation or the symptoms that we have. But these medications for a first episode, for some patients, for some people, we choose to stop them and to slowly wean them up. For others, they feel great. It's a revolution. They want to continue them longer. So it's a discussion to have, and you can have it with your doctor, you can have it with your pharmacist. And if you choose to stop a medication, talk to us. We'll make a plan. We'll make a plan together. And sometimes I, I speak to a lot of patients that try to stop their medication. And they, they feel a bit like a failure because they don't succeed. The symptoms come back. And deprescribing is not about stopping. It's about getting, decreasing the side effects and finding the right therapy for us. And sometimes we reduce the dose by half. Well, that's great. And if it makes you comfortable with that, well, great. We'll go in that direction. And if ever we want to switch things around, we want to try another treatment. There's just side effects. Well, there's a lot of options. That's the good thing with our system. We have a lot of tablets, which makes it super complicated to navigate. But we have a lot of options. I think we're good partners for that. That sounds wonderful. And you say partners, and that's exactly what I was thinking in my mind. Because as you were speaking, I was wondering, if you're changing tablets, if you're reducing a dosage, I imagine a note might be sent to prescribing doctors saying that that's what happened. But at the same time, it's wonderful because you're there every day and be able to get an appointment with your doctor to talk about all these issues might take several weeks. Exactly. And if I can add as well, yes, a lot of patients are scared when we do modifications. And these are new roles that we got in the last few years very recently. We used to be really very involved in this pending medication really preparing medication and giving it to people. But uh, more and more, clinical role is increasing. And as you mentioned, whenever we adjust the dose of a medication, we're obligated to contact the initial prescriber. So we have, we keep this open conversation. Sometimes we're not ready to make a change because let's face it, we don't have all the information. People build a great relationship with their family physician, 
for many years. So sometimes we want to ask if there's something that we may be missing why we're taking this medication. So we may re-question things, but not do modifications right away. Um, as pharmacists, we can adjust all medications for follow-up purposes. So we can adjust all doses. And very often people come to see me with their pressure results and they're high. Well, reflex is to make sure that they're taking their pressure well, that there's no other confounding factors, other things that might be blurring our results. But if we notice that on several days, different days at different times, we have high values. Well, I can increase the medication. We do have limitations. So we, we can't add new classes of medication. So we need the authorization from a prescriber to do that. But we can really be um, very involved in the follow-up and that makes it uh, quicker to have an appointment <laughs> because sometimes it's long to see our family physician and sometimes we don't have a family physician. So we need to get an answer quicker or to, to, to really change things. So the pharmacy can sometimes help. We can also prescribe for about uh, 30 different conditions. And that's new since about three, four years where we can uh, prescribe, for example, your urinary tract infection. So when you've had a diagnosis in the past years, we can re-prescribe if, uh, if you've seen a doctor or a nurse practitioner in the last five years. And that's great. You know your symptoms often. So you don't necessarily need to go see a doctor for these. And if we have some red flags, well, we'll be directing you to a physician to do more advanced tests if we're not uh, ready for that. If you're traveling, if you need a medication against malaria, if you need a medication against traveler's diarrhea, we can prescribe for really all these destinations. We can prescribe all vaccines as well. So there's a lot of things that we can do like that for many different conditions that are common. And another thing that I might add as well is that we can inject medications. So since a few years, pharmacists are now vaccinated. So you can get your flu shots. You can get really all vaccines at the pharmacy. And if ever you're starting a new medication, an injectable medication, that's scary. Yeah. It's not easy to start to giving yourself uh, an injection. And sometimes your, your doctor tells you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't explain it to you. The pharmacist will. You'll be doing it. And all will be good. You're starting insulin. Sometimes it's a shock and you're not really ready to, to, to start insulin at the doctor's office. And you need a few days to process it. Well, we can give you your medication and so administer it to you for demonstration purposes and really teach you. And if you're not sure the next day how to really give it to yourself and you'd like to come back for a second demonstration, please do feel free to tell so. We can do it a second time <laughs> if necessary. There's really no problem and we'll go in a confidential uh, rule. Wow. Wow. You guys can do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> As you were talking, you know, weaning yourself off medication. I remember hearing antibiotics, for example. It's very important to take a full course. You can't stop halfway. Are there other medications that you can become resistant to if you don't take it correctly as prescribed? Antibiotics are really interesting because uh, antibiotics are usually prescribed for a specific course uh, treatment for five days, for 10 days, and that's if we don't take them, there, there's actually two things. There, there are some potential risks for yourself. So it's possible that uh, in the first few days, you'll start seeing after one to two days some improvement. Great. Fantastic. So one reflex that we might have is to stop it. Because we're sure. feeling Or we don't have exactly because we, we don't have any more symptoms. But for yourself, sometimes you're able to kill all of the weaker bacteria, and there's only a few left, often the stronger bacteria. So these bacteria can afterwards uh, reproduce. And if we don't take the full course, there's a possibility that the 
infection might come back and might come back stronger because we have all of these stronger bacteria that are left that are going to reproduce. So for some infections, it's important to really take them uh, till the end. Uh, doctors may also uh, give you a follow-up appointment and sometimes choose to extend the course if ever it's necessary. But I, I find that the burden that's really big is on society. So if we don't take antibiotics correctly, if we take too many antibiotics, sometimes we have the reflex to go see a physician to get an antibiotic because we have a cough. We think it's an infection and we try to convince as hard as we can our, our physician to get uh, an antibiotic and having taking too many antibiotics or not taking them for the right indications that can lead to antibiotic resistance. And antibiotic resistance is one of the the, the main threats uh, for the future in the hospitals. Uh, we don't see this uh, when we're healthy, when we're, if we're really doing our, our day-to-day activities. But in, in hospitals, we're having more complex bacteria to treat and we have to go with our last lines of defense. And we're having more and more bacteria that are resistant to many different uh, antibiotics and it becomes a puzzle. And the rate at which we're inventing new antibiotics is not going nearly as fast as how bacteria has evolved. So taking them the right way would be my advice to really avoid the community burden on infections. There are some infections that are quite tough. Thank you for that explanation. Are there common mistakes people uh, sometimes make when taking medication? Not uh, taking them as prescribed or not discussing the way we want to take them uh, because we can often uh, find a better way to titrate it. And not addressing a side effect would be maybe a mistake. Sometimes we think that it's normal to take a course of medication or regular medication and to experiment side effects. So indeed, side effects are part of medications. If we have the perfect pill that can make us lose weight, solve all of our problems, and uh, well, we'd be giving it to everyone. But unfortunately, we don't have. And it's really complex to develop these medications. But not addressing the side effects uh, is maybe a common mistake because we have a lot of quick fix and these quick fix are not necessarily prescribing another medication to, to cause a cascade because that's not better. There's a second uh, medication can also have some side effects. <laughs> and then <laughs> the wheel kind of turns on, but breaking this cycle or finding another initial alternative that can be better tolerated is part of the things that we can do. And I, I might talk about the last one that not asking how to conserve the medication. So it's something we usually mention, but there are some medications that we keep in the fridge. There are some medications that we keep room temperature. We have some days during the summer that it's really hot in the house. It's very humid. Uh, We advise people to keep their medications not in the back, not in humid areas, not exposed to the sunlight. Sometimes we don't think about it. Our pharmacy is in our washroom and we brush our teeth and we take our medication. That's convenient to do these uh, two activities at the same time. But we prefer keeping them in a dark area, maybe in a cabinet, maybe in the kitchen, maybe in, if you have kids, we don't want to keep them in areas that are accessible because medications can be dangerous. But there's a lot of little tips and trips on this that we can give. And if we're traveling, we're going somewhere else and we're taking a a medication that is kept in the fridge, sometimes we're asking ourselves, well, what am I going to do? I might not have a a fridge. I'm going uh, for some trekking, some backpacking. Well, there are, for many medications, we have some information on the stability. Sometimes we can keep them. And one example that comes to my mind are eye drops. Some eye drops are good six weeks outside of the fridge, but we keep them at the pharmacy in the fridge for you to have your full six weeks at home. So sometimes you can see us going to our fridge, getting your medication, but just asking us the question, what to do? 
insulins, for example, most of them are stable 28 days outside the fridge. So it gives us a lot of time when we're traveling. So please do ask us if you have some specific constraints, if you're going somewhere else, if you're not going to have access to a fridge, or if you're going somewhere where it's going to be very hot. Sometimes we give the advice to keep the medication in the fridge for the temperature not to go above 25 degrees. I'm hearing from you almost in every response. Don't be afraid to ask questions. It's sounding like you never know, just ask. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> You've been mentioning some great tips on medication management in terms of keeping them at the appropriate temperature, not in humid spaces. Is there anything else that we should think about when it comes to medication management, either from patient or the caregiver perspective? Well, we talked a bit about maintaining the medications, yes. so keeping them in good uh, areas. I haven't mentioned about uh, credit bills. There's a whole science on if we can cut a bill or if we can't cut a bill. We have some medications that are uh, long-acting medications. So these medications dissolve in different areas of the body through the intestine. We want to make sure it gets to the right area to be absorbed properly. So some pills, fortunately, we can't cut. Some pills are irritating for our esophagus, for our tubes before going to our stomach. So in, in these cases, we can't. Some capsules we can open. We can put them in yogurt. So uh, really asking if ever we have uh, a tough time swallowing, if we have a young kid at home that can't really swallow tablets, we often have alternatives in liquid. If you're prescribed a big tablet for a throat infections, I don't know for you, but I've had some throat infections in the past. Sometimes swallowing a big pill when we have uh, our throat that's very swollen is not easy. So we have a lot of alternatives to switch them to liquid versions. And in pharmacies, we do a lot of mixes. We call them magistrals. So we compound medication. So we can make some creams. We can make some liquids. We can crush the tablets, mix them, and have some stability, some information. So we were doing these activities a lot, let's say, 100 years ago. Now, less and less because there's our technology, our industry uh, has really uh, stepped it up. But we can do all these modifications. Other tips that I can maybe give on uh, managing medication, it happens to everyone to forget medication, especially the more tablets that we have, the more we can forget, the more it can be. Uh, so to always check on every single pill boxes, oh, is this one morning? Is this one lunch? Is this one bedtime? Um, so having a, a pill box, keeping this organized, finding a time of the day to really organize all your tablets uh, between morning, supper, for example, so that you can have it all organized is a really great thing. There are also some little pill boxes that are detachable. And I gave one of these to my mother-in-law and she loves it. Every time she goes somewhere else for the night, well, she takes her little two days and she goes to the restaurant, she takes her little supper box and that she might have it, she may take and she doesn't forget it in these moments. So finding these little tools that can help us. And when we talk about tools, sometimes they're tools that we don't necessarily think about that. For example, for eye drops, sometimes we have our dexterity is not as good. Our hands are shaking and we have to put eye drops and it's not easy. Well, we have some device to help us with that. We have a, a little device that we can put on the eye that is going to really aim in our eye. Uh, it's like a little tube, a little circle that we can put around and that we can really aim for the drop to make sure we're not losing all the drops and we don't have to come back every five days to the pharmacy to get another bottle. We have also sometimes squeezing these bottles that are really tough. We have arthritis problems. It can be tougher. So we have some device for eye drops as well to squeeze easier, to use a lever to help us with these little devices. We have some pill crushers. We have some pill cutters as well if we're going to cut the pills to have them in, in smaller. So these are all little tools that we can use 
in the in the pharmacy that can help us uh, managing everything well. And I'm surprised that you haven't yet mentioned something like a medication log. I assume there's still value in having that if you hear someone. So if you ever go and you're asked, what are you taking? Then you can just say, here's my list. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you're, you're, thank you for, for reminding me. Having a, an updated list of medication is great. You're, all your health professionals are going to ask for it. But also, if ever you have and you feel uneasy, you don't feel good, you have to call the ambulance. Well, first question is going to be, what are you taking? So are you taking any prescription medication? And they'll want to know exactly what you're taking. So having this medication, it's something we can print every single time you come to the pharmacy or every time there's a change. I suggest really using it. It's making me think there's a lot of little tips also that we can use to uh, manage our medication that are not necessarily physical things or things to take the medication better, but to renew our medications. We have many systems in the pharmacy to help, help you manage your renewals. Uh, for examples, we have some pre-authorized systems. So for some people that would like to, you can ask at the pharmacy to prepare automatically your medication every month. And we'll give you a call when it's ready. So it's a little reminder to come at the pharmacy. We can prepare for more than a month at a time as well if you don't want to come every single time. Other than that, we can send text messages or emails when everything is ready. So you don't have to call. You can use, as you had mentioned a bit before, platforms, online platforms. Sometimes you don't feel like calling and with something. It's a hassle. You prefer doing it in, a, in an easier way. And another thing that I might mention, if ever you have some dexterity problems, we have different types of bottles that are easier to open. So these are also services that we can do. And for people that are losing autonomy, we offer also distill services. So we prepare your weekly medications. So we organize them in low boxes and plastic containers that are disposable. And we do this at our pharmacy. I have about 250 people that are using these. So we prepare them. It's a big activity. We do them, we check them, we make sure they're all in the right ways and it, it helps to keep people at home because uh, autonomy, taking the right medication is often a way to control our problems. And if not, we might need to move into residence or in places that we have services or we might need a caregiver to come every day. So having these tools can help our elderly stay at home longer and have a better, a better quality of life. I had no idea. That's a fantastic service. Do you have an example of where you've seen a patient advocate for themselves that it made a difference? Well, many, many. We have so many conversations. We have so many patients that really tell us about what's happening and uh, it does make a big difference. And uh, we need to be proactive in our health. And, and that's really how our system is done. I can think about a, a patient that I had uh, a recent encounter a gentleman in his uh, 60s uh, that is diabetic that had a long list of medication. And uh, to be very frank, he was quite discouraged with all of this. He had a difficult relationship with his endocrinologist. So this patient is taking medications for uh, diabetes, taking four insulins a day as well. And he came back from his doctor's office and he was very frustrated. He was telling um, us that his doctors up his dose of his medications because his sugar wasn't controlled and his um, doctor told him to lose weight to do more exercise and the first thing that he told me was well he should look at himself in the mirror so he needs to do exercise as well how how dare he to give me this advice and i find there's a way to approach these things and the the main barrier that this patient had was that this patient was reluctant to, to really understand his treatment to invest time and effort to 
I think about his himself, his health, because the relationship with his physician was not the best. So we took the time. We went to a little confidential room and we discussed things and how his uh, insulins were going and what each insulin was doing, what each medication was doing on his glycemia and which moments of the day they were higher. And we came to the conclusion that we didn't really know exactly what caused his sugar to be high and when his sugar was higher. So I suggested uh, that uh, the patient would use a continuous glucose monitoring system. So these we see a lot in the news, these little devices that we can put on our elbows that are uh, reimbursed for certain people, for example, for people that are taking four insulins a day. And uh, as pharmacists, we can prescribe these. So these are devices, these are not medication. So I decided to prescribe it to him. So I made the authorization request to the government to have it covered. A few weeks later, it was prescribed. We had a meeting together and these devices were great and they were a great igniter for conversations because with this, we could see his glycemia through the whole day. So all of his blood sugars, we could see everywhere, where it went, how it went. And it gave a lot of confidence to his patient. It empowered him and he became suddenly more motivated. The shift went from the conversation, the frustration to really himself. And with diabetes, maybe 0.01% of his time is spent with a health professional. Because most of your time, you're at home. You're making these decisions on what you're going to eat, on how you're taking the medications, on what to do when you have a blood sugar value. And the best thing to do is, yes, we can help you. We can make shift the big decisions on medication, on the things that need to change. But most of the small titrating, the small decisions to make the person will have more success doing them than a health professional that's not going to be present all the time. And we slowly went from someone that was less controlled to someone that was well-controlled in diabetes. And I think that as, uh, as I'm taking a tiny bit of the credit, I think all the credit goes to this gentleman who really opened up, who invested so much time and effort and advocating really for yourself, for the problems that you have can lead to really great results. That's a fantastic example. And you deserve credit too, because you listen. There was evidently something about you that made him feel like I can share my frustration. So you get some credit as well. Thank you for that. Are there any tips that you have for how patients navigate the system and not fall through the cracks? Our system is complicated. And uh, I must say, even from someone within the system, our system is very complicated. In my day-to-day job, I often have questions about prescriptions and it's not easier for us to reach doctors and to be able to read questions, to ask these questions. And I can only imagine the struggle from someone that's not, that doesn't know exactly how things are working. So for sure, whenever we have a question, if we have a family physician, if we have a clinic and we need to have a new prescription, best thing is to contact our family physician or our clinic. I think that's a great way and we can do this through telephone. A lot of clinics have also an application where you can take an appointment and uh, the easiness uh, of reaching them can vary from one area to the other. If I really don't have a family doctor, Quebec has a great system. It's been a a bit more than a year that we have a system called the the GAP, the Guichet d'Accès à la Première Ligne, which is a system for people that don't have a family doctor to have access to a primary care appointment with a nurse practitioner or physician. And there's many ways to reach this. We can go on 811, option number three. So if we call on 811, you'll be able to speak to a nurse that give you some good advice on what to do if you need to go to the hospital. 
because the hospital is not always the answer. Unless you're, you really have an emergency, you're going to be waiting for a lot of hours. And especially right now in the fall, in the winter, people are, have a lot of infections and the waiting times are very long. So uh, contacting this system, calling the 811, will help you to get an appointment quick. We have also ways in pharmacy to facilitate this uh, procedure to get an appointment with your physician. If you'd like to be more hands-on, my tip would be you need to be creative to find an appointment. And calling all the clinics is often difficult. A lot of them, it's going to be tough to get online. It's going to be difficult to have an appointment, especially if you're not registered to a physician. But there's many websites that will help to find an appointment. One of them that I can name is RVSQ. So it's a platform that's used by many different clinics. And you can go online and you can ask really for an appointment in the clinic where you have a family doctor, for example. If there's no appointment, they're going to give you the list of all the other clinics in your neighborhood around you that might have cancellations. And the tip is to refresh this page and to go many times because it changes almost every hour. And uh, you may be able to have a quick appointment uh, with your physician if you have, for example, an ear infection or something that doesn't require going to the hospital, but that is quite serious to you. If not, uh, you can go on Trixante. Trixante is a platform that we use a lot for vaccine, but there's many different services that are there and you can take appointments in pharmacies and clinics in CLSEs. For example, if you have, if you need a vaccine, if you need an STD test, you've had, you're up to date, you want to update your status uh, on this, well, you can take some appointments. So there's almost 15 different services that you can go on Pixante. So you can go check if these services apply to your needs and uh, take an appointment over there. And the last, uh, sometimes we have a urine infection. The pharmacist can't prescribe. It's really painful. We want a treatment really now. Well, there are some systems of telemedicine that are unfortunately we have to pay for them. But sometimes the $25, $30 of consultation is worth the while because it can allow us to go and get a treatment very quickly and miss work. And there's two platforms uh, called Dialogue and Maple that are two services online for minor problems. Uh, you'll have a consultation with nurses and they'll be able to help you for many different services. So sometimes I recommend going to these services for my patients. I give you the advice to call your pharmacist as well. So we can often do a lot of things. So uh, don't hesitate to call us. It's free and we'll let us let you know if we can do something to, to help you out. So these are little tips to um, get an appointment. It's often uh, difficult, but uh, also be proactive and uh, prevent situations that might be tougher. If ever you have a chronic prescription and you're running out, well, we're going to be advising you uh, when you'll have only one renewal, when you're not going to have any renewals. And as pharmacists, we can extend your medication. We can extend it for the full duration as it was uh, prescribed for a maximum of one year. So if you have, for example, if you take a medication for your cholesterol, your doctor makes a two-year prescription, or we can extend for an extra year after that. We might not want to extend it if ever we need a reevaluation, if our values are not controlled. So we might, in these conditions, prescribe you some blood tests. So yes, as pharmacists, we can prescribe blood, blood tests for follow-up purposes, but we can really help you. And we're not going to leave you without a medication if this period is also expired. We know that sometimes it's really difficult. We might have short prescriptions and it's not easy to have an appointment. But plan ahead. If you see on your low bottle that there's a low zero brochure renewals that are there, if you see an expiry date on your prescription, 
will come and see us and ask us if there's a way we can facilitate this, if we can send a communication to your doctor to renew the medication, or if you'd be due for an appointment. So plan ahead so you can have the time to make an appointment. And for appointments with physicians, I often feel that I have so many questions to ask when I go see my physician, and sometimes I get sidetracked. I forget to ask something, and I feel really frustrated because I'm, I waited. I had the, maybe this one appointment a year, and I forgot to ask this question. That was maybe not the most pressing things, but I had an opportunity, and I forgot. And my big advice is write down your question. Write it down on your cell phone, on a piece of paper, cut prepared. And say no, if your doctor wants to finish the consultation, say no, I have some questions. I haven't gone to my list. And take some notes, write it down, because sometimes your doctor mentions things. Sometimes we get thrown a curveball. Sometimes our doctor tells us our pressure is not controlled. We have to do a change. We need to make a decision. Sometimes emotions come and they take over and we lose our ways. So having this system really helps us to address everything that we'd like to. And if ever you're not sure, if ever you, you leave your doctor and you're wondering, what should I do if it doesn't work? Ask for the next step. So, uh, so ask, for example, if ever this happens, ask what if scenarios so you can know a bit what's the next step. Do you make a follow-up appointment? Is your doctor, should your pharmacist address this problem? Should you have a referral for a specialist? Should the doctor give you a referral right away for a specialist? Just so you can save some time and you can save some anxiety as well on your side that you may have on what happens if things fall apart or something else happens so you can be more prepared, as I have mentioned, for all scenarios. Thank you, Alexander, for these great tips. As we wrap up, do you have any closing thoughts or is there anything we haven't yet touched on? I'd say health is really complicated. There's so many things and uh, we are experts of our body, but uh, I don't expect anyone to be experts of medication. I still learn uh, some new things every day about medications. Uh, I think asking questions, giving information on what you're taking, being honest, being frank with your health professional, sharing this information. Uh, if you give us all the information, we'll be able to take the best decision. There's no point in, in hiding things. Uh, we'll notice if you're not renewing your medications and we'll be asking questions. And uh, I think it's better off to, to, to start the right way to build a relationship uh, with health professionals uh, that share your values. And don't be afraid to really shake things up and to really state your needs if ever your needs are, are not met through your pharmacy, through your physicians, or if you need to have more help around you. And yeah, I think that would be pretty much it. Then feel free to come and see us at the pharmacy. We may seem busy, but we're always very happy to help you. And if we can't take your phone call right away, we'll call you back and we'll address your needs as best as we can. That's fantastic. Really quickly, is there a preferred way to dispose of expired or unused medication? Yeah, good question. Uh, bring them to us. Uh, we have safe ways to destroy them uh, at the pharmacy. So most medications will be incinerated. If you're taking some injections, uh, we have programs where we'll give you a yellow bin. Uh, so it's a big bin that when it's full, uh, we will exchange it for a new bin. And we will also dispose of these injections uh, safely. So there's many different ways. So all pills, expired medication, bring them to us. But do some cleanups uh, because it's very surprising when you look at your own pharmacy at your house, you'll notice that sometimes a lot of medications are expired and that may be something that can be dangerous for you that we don't have valid information on the stability of these medications. But also the plastic pill box, you can dispose it in the garbage. 
If you have inhalers, the plastic component of it, you can dispose it, but the aerosol canister and slide bring it back to the pharmacy. We'll make sure that we get this for these things. Thank you so very much for coming to the Good Health Cafe and for sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. Well, thanks to you. Thanks for the invitation. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Some key takeaways were a pharmacist does much more than simply dispense medication. Whenever you're in doubt, just ask the question. Be sure to keep a list of your medication. If you'd like to stop your medication, make a plan so that you can stop it safely and build a relationship with your pharmacist. As usual, if you'd like to learn more about The Good Health Cafe, you can check out our website, www.thegoodhealthcafe.com. You can follow us on social media, which is Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all at The Good Health Cafe. And you can also sign up for our mailing. If you would like to have a medication log, there's a link in the show notes where you can download one from our website. Until next time, see you at the cafe later. Bye.